You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. You, you feel this, this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Welcome back for another Packernet After Dark. Still Packernet, just darker outside, depending on what time you're listening. How you guys doing? All right. <laughs> it doesn't matter, man. It doesn't matter. Every single day, um, I when I do Packernet After Dark, I read through or, or go through all the voicemails, and then the next day, there's nothing there, and I just get the impression that, well, it was nice while it lasted. <laughs> And you just never know, you know, maybe it's done forever. Maybe it'll be a couple days. I, I don't really know. But um, there's been a flurry of calls here. Granted, three of them are from Davy Boy. But um, I have, granted, there's a couple that are, you know, whatever. But one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven voicemails that came in starting at 939. And it is, uh, the last one was at 105. So in a three-and-a-half-hour span, I got 11 voicemails. Now, granted, four of them are from my children, which we will start the show with. Um, my, my two middle kids have been begging. My, my son was on the podcast a while back for the draft. He was the one that said he, his favorite player was Christian Watson, you may recall. We went through and looked at all the different draft prospects, and I was very proud because although I told him this is the guy that's supposedly the best wide receiver or whatever, he went through and he looked at him himself, and he saw Christian Watson. He's like, no, that dude... That's my guy. So he was super jacked about the draft. Anyways, um, he was on, but my daughter's been very mad at me and um, because she wants to get on the show, but I record early and she doesn't get up that early. Anyways, long story short, they found a loophole. They're just going to call <laughs> and get on the show that way. So it's a little hard to hear. I don't know if it's just the Google Voice thing or um, the fact that they're children and don't enunciate slash it was on speakerphone. Probably a mix of all the things, but let's start with um, the oldest of the three that called. Mr. Cullen. Hi, I'm Cullen, and um, the Packers are going to win the Super Bowl this year. Hi, I'm Cullen. Are the Packers going to win the Super Bowl this year? I, I You know, you got to love it when your son just throws you up a softball. <laughs> He's always got my back. Well, um, I think there's a real good chance, and the most recent voicemail I got is going to kind of speak to this, so I'll wait on elaborating until we get to it. But um, the... Biggest thing we have going in our favor is all the NFC teams are kind of garbage. There's also a question, I, I think, or, or a comment about the 49ers that we're going to get to. I'm trying to remember what all of them were. I just kind of peruse them, and I very rarely listen. I usually just read the Google transcription, so I probably have no idea what you're actually talking about. I'm reading it, and it's all wrong. But kind of talking about maybe the 49ers will be kind of good or whatever. But um, the path to the Super Bowl, I think, is relatively easy. The problem is when you get to the AFC team, when you get to the Super Bowl, um, it's probably going to be a heck of a juggernaut. It could always be just a, a garbage team that accidentally gets in or an AFC team that has an off day that day or whatever. Ultimately, it's just one game. You got to find a way to win. But 
Um, you look at the Buffalo Bills, the uh, the Bengals, who I think are probably going to continue to take a step. Basically, a brand new team. They don't know what they're doing yet, and just stumble their way into the Super Bowl. So I think it'll be tough. But um, as far as a low barrier of entry, and who knows? Who knows what teams are going to explode? But just all the talent that's fled the NFC and gone over to the AFC. I don't know. Maybe we'll get lucky and we'll face the uh, face the Raiders in the Super Bowl. Almost no chance of that, but it'd be kind of interesting. So, Colin, I'm going to say yes. The Packers are going to win the Super Bowl. But let's see if we can figure out what it is my daughter is trying to say in this next call here. We'll do our best. Hi. I'll try to translate that. Um, I want to be a ballerina. Hi, my name is Riley. I want to be a ballerina, which is news to me. My favorite food is corn dogs, which she had her first corn dog like two days ago, and she's obsessed, which, you know, granted, they're delicious. Just feel a little bit sad because I've, I've spent many years getting her favorite food to be tacos, and just like that, a corn dog has replaced it. But anyways, the question she had is, what is your favorite food? And um, could probably spend a lot of time on it, but I'm not going to. Probably tacos. Cheeseburgers, I absolutely love cheeseburgers. A, a, a perfectly cooked cheeseburger on the grill. I to die for, but tacos, man. I don't know. And then there's steak and pork chops and stuff that are all all delicious. But I'm I'm just gonna say tacos with burgers being a very close second. Pizza is not on the list. I'm sorry. There is some really good pizza out there. I know that's a popular answer, but I think I'm just kind of over pizza. Maybe it's just because I usually eat either garbage, like you know, fast food. I'm not gonna list any in case in case they want to sponsor me. In which case, I love their pizza. That goes for frozen pizza, too. I'm I, not a huge fan, except um, all, all of my sponsors are delicious, slash comfortable to wear, slash nutritious. I don't, I don't know. It depends what we're talking about. Um, but yeah, that, that would be it. And then finally, we got a call from my youngest. Let's see how this goes. So I'm not entirely sure what she said, but Google Translate has um, that entire thing translated as elephant. So I'm good with that. She does say elephant sometimes, and she likes to say words randomly. So I'm good with with elephant. But anyways, thank you to the children for chiming in. Let's get to our first adult caller, Devin. See what Devin's got to say. Hi, this is Devin from Owl. Hey, Devin. Uh, Long-time listener, first-time caller. I guess the one thing in this offseason that's really kind of bugged me is the level of optimism about the Minnesota Vikings. I feel like the media in particular, all of a sudden, they just keep saying they're going to be way better than last year or anything else. And it always drove me nuts last year because they always said, I always constantly had to hear, oh, they're a lot better than their record. But if you look at their record over the past, like, four seasons, it's 8-7-1, 10-6, 7-9, 7-9, 8-9. Nine, and then I always had to hear from Vikings fans about, oh, they would have been 15 and two last year with all the close losses they had if they would have just went the other way. But they don't use that same type of mentality when it comes to their close wins. For instance, they had a win or a, an overtime win against Carolina or the fact that the Lions were leading them with 37 seconds left or that they barely beat Pittsburgh on, I think it was a Monday night. Or the fact, or even against Green Bay, when Green Bay just couldn't figure out how to hold on to an interception for no matter how hard uh, Kirk Cousins wanted to hand it over to him. So I guess what I'm trying to get at, my question is, what, like, if you were a Vikings fan, what about him would make you want to believe that all of a sudden this team is going to turn the corner 
and be like a three-loss team, like a, near the top of the NFC. I don't see it. Like, where do they? Where do you think they even rank in the entire NFL? I just their team just always seems old, and I don't see any really ascending players necessarily on that team. You could say like Justin Jefferson, but I guess we can all agree he's. I mean, you can't get a lot better than that, and they went eight nine with him. So, uh, just get your thoughts on that. Thanks. Bye. So I'm glad you phrased it the way that you did because if the question was what gives them optimism, that's easy to answer, right? It's easy to get to the point of why are they going to be potentially a good team? Well, I mean, you know, Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, and, you know, Dalvin, and the offensive line's getting better, and Harrison Smith and uh, Daniil and and Zadarius. I mean, there's plenty there to be good. But, you know, a couple points you brought up. First of all, they've had good teams, and generally their record sucks. And then, But beyond that, Let's get past the good part. The, the The point is, what case can you possibly make for them to be at the top, let's say, of the division, of the NFC, you know, a, a team that gets 11, 12, 13-ish wins? First of all, that's, that's the question as I'm going to take it. But before we get there, um, I want to see if I can give you a really smart answer before I just rattle off nonsense, which I do like to do. So first of all, talking about... Um, the close game thing, you, you do have somewhat of a point. Well, I should say the Vikings have somewhat of a point, and so do you. First of all, close games, and I'm calling that three points. The Vikings had four of them. There were five teams that had four or more close games. The Lions, the Bengals, the Vikings, the Seahawks, and the Ravens. As far as close games in the other column wins, the Vikings had two. So if you cancel those out, you're talking about two games. Right, So technically they're right in terms of there were a pile of games that could have gone the other direction, and there were more than the wins, but whoop-de-doo, what are we even talking about? Two games? And if you split those two games 50-50, then it's, it's one win, one loss, I guess. But I, you know, I don't know. If, if that's the case you really want to make for yourself, that's fine. The other thing is if you look back, like you had mentioned, they've had a bad record for about four years now. If you go back over the last four years, um, Minnesota has had nine close games that ended in loss. They had six close games that ended in wins. So it's pretty close. Beyond all of that is the fact that there is something to winning at clutch times. You know, one of the big negatives against the Packers is the idea that, well, um, they won a lot of close games and you can't expect to win that many close games. So if you kind of bring that back a little bit, you can. that's one of the indicators they're going to have a worse year. Well, that's somewhat fair. And I'm not disputing the, the statistics that typically you do regress in that category. That's fine. But I guess what I'm saying is you shouldn't ex- necessarily expect 50-50 for every team. Better teams are probably going to be the ones that end up winning when it's down to the wire. Clutchness is a factor, right? I mean, if it's, if it's Tom Brady and he's down by two and there's 50 seconds left, you pretty much know Tom Brady's going to win, right? <laughs> it's just the way it goes. So... Anyways, that's that's that aspect to it in terms of them complaining about that. They they have somewhat of a claim to it. It's true, but it's it's not something you can lean super heavy on. In terms of making a case for the Vikings, um, I'll I'll give it a shot. And ultimately, it's the same shot you would give almost any team. And and the reality is, there are some teams you can't do this for. The the Chicago Bears, for example, I don't think you can do this for. In fact, let let me just give you this as an example, um, so that you can see what I'm talking about. If I tried to make a case for the Bears being one of the top teams in the NFC winning 13 games, how would I do it? I don't think I can. It would start with Justin Fields completely breaking out, but even then, what? Um, their, their tackle would have to completely break out in the second year. 
Darnell Mooney would have to emerge as one of the premier wide receivers in football. Maybe Valus Jones would shock the world. Jalen Johnson would completely break out in year three to become a premier corner. Um, Quinn would replicate what he did last year. I don't expect him to do much better. He had, what, 18 sacks or something stupid? Um, Jackson would return back to 2018 form, and then Brisker and Gordon, the two rookies, would um, have elite rookie seasons. Even then, we don't really have good linebackers. We don't have good defensive tackles. We don't have a second good pass rusher. We still don't have a good offensive line with the exception of one player. Um, we don't have a tight end unless we continue. So, so the point is, everybody that was bad that maybe could break out has to break out. And I don't just mean get slightly better. I'm talking about they sucked and now they're great. It's not a realistic thing to do. However, and, and you can do a part of that because there, there is an element of, um, somebody in Arizona keeps trying to call me. There is an element of, well, we got a new coaching staff. We got a new GM and all this stuff. So there's a new energy, a new vibe, new play calling. That's fine. It, it'll get you a part of the way there. If you want to say the bears are going to be better again, I'm not with you entirely, but you can make that case. You cannot make the case that they're going to be like a 13-win team. For the Vikings, though, I think you can. Not saying it's the best bet to make, but at least you can get there. It's physically possible. Because I think the biggest thing is it's not a matter of creating something from nothing, right? Jalen Johnson breaks out and is a top-five corner. It's not that it's impossible. It's just that it's never been a thing. Whereas with the Vikings, all I'm saying is Justin Jefferson stays exactly where he's at. Thielen doesn't fall off and basically just stays where he is at. And if he happens to take a step forward, great. Cousins just has to stay exactly where he's been at. Dalvin Cook does need to be better than he was last year, but he doesn't really need to be better than he has been in the past. If you get, for example, the 2020 version of Dalvin, where he was the third best running back in football, or the 2019 version even, where he was the 14th best running back in football via PFF, that's perfectly fine. By the way, the Madden grades for running backs came out Dalvin was uh, one of the top running backs. Here's his ranks um, of the last 14th. And then 2018, he was, sorry, I'm reading that. PFF changed it so that the most recent is on the bottom and it throws me off. 2020, two years ago, he was the third best. Last year, he ranked 42nd. But even before that, it was 14th and then 27th. He's never really been a top 10 running back aside from one year, but they continually put him in the top five, 10, whatever. Sorry about the bleeping again. I keep leaving Discord up. That's JJ. You can be mad at JJ. He's messaging me in there. Um, I'll close that so that it stops. He says he's going to call in, so i got a lot of things to get through. i got to tighten up this answer a little bit. Anyways, the point is, Dalvin doesn't need to do something unrealistic. He just needs to give us a better version of what we've seen recently, as in like two years ago is perfectly fine. So with that, we have Cousins, who's a good quarterback. We have two good wide receivers and a good running back. On top of that, what was used to be a garbage offensive line, kind of really isn't anymore. That's sort of a uh, narrative that's run amok. And I think even Vikings fans are, um, you know, you can say whatever you want about them, but I, I don't see a lot of super unrealistic Vikings fans. Um, I mean, the, the, there are some positions, you know, Dalvin Cook and whatnot, I think we're not going to see eye to eye on. But for example, as I've said, they don't like Cousins at all. I'm higher on Cousins than most Vikings fans, but I think the same is true with the offensive line. I think I'm higher on their offensive line than a lot of Vikings fans are. But anyways, Darisaw, the left tackle, I think is doing a great job. Uh, Cleveland at left guard, who I continually said doesn't make any sense at, at guard, is doing a pretty solid job at the guard position. He's not great, but he's fine. Brian O'Neill is doing a great job at right tackle. Um, the right guard spot, I'm not sure who's going to be there, if it's Chris Reed or what, but that was a really bad spot. I think that's probably going to improve. 
And so the only real weakness I see is Garrett Bradbury, which does sting because that was a number 18 overall selection by the Vikings, and he has just been bad for three years. But overall, it's not terrible. And then on top of that, you've got Irv Smith, who's kind of been forgotten about because he didn't play last year, but he kind of had a second year breakout season. 70 overall grade, ranked 19th overall, kind of quiet, not a huge statistical year, but um, he had a good year. And again, everybody forgot about him. So if he just, again, I don't, I don't need a huge breakout. Just do what you did before, right? So now we got the two wide receivers. We got Osborne, who's somebody else that we probably shouldn't completely disregard. K.J. Osborne took a, a, a massive jump, at least statistically, from year one to year two, and he's supposed to have a big role this year. So they got the three wide receivers, the tight end, the running back, the offensive line, and the quarterback. And then defensively, it's not great, but I don't know that it's horrible. I think Tomlinson and Phillips at defensive tackle um, are, are fine, at least in terms of run defense. And, 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 and I shouldn't say that. They're good when it comes to run defense. They're fine overall because they're not the greatest pass rushers. But Daniil is a, is a very high-quality pass rusher, and we'll see what Zadarius can do. I don't think the corners are great. I'm not a big fan of their linebackers. But Harrison Smith, and they got a rookie coming in with Lewis Seen, um, I think it's a good safety group depending on what Seen is. So when you look at the critical features, I think the one biggest issue they're going to have is the, the secondary, specifically the corners. My, my biggest issue would be the secondary overall if we don't assume seen and we continue to see Harrison Smith getting another year older. Um, like I've said with Harrison Smith, he's, he's had like real good years and then good years and then real good years and then good years. And it kind of alternates real good, good. So like 85, 75, 92, 79, 88, 74. Last year was supposed to be a really big year and he didn't go there. I know it's a silly thing anyways, but if that was his big jump year and he didn't make the jump and then he goes down this year, like he tends to do every other year, every even year he goes down, if he goes down from it, this could be, point is this could be his first bad year basically ever in his career. 2013, he had a bad grade. I'm assuming that was an injury, but we'll just call it ever. If that's the case, if, if Smith takes a step back and, and that's the thing, I'm, I'm staying on the positive side. That's how you get to this point. Everything has been positive and that's how you get to 13 wins. On the flip side, we don't know what Daniil's going to do. We don't know what Zedarius is going to do. We're pretty confident that the corners are not going to be super great. I do not like the linebackers, and I have no reason to believe they're going to be very good. Harrison Smith could very likely at his age take a step back. Seen has proven nothing because he hasn't been in the NFL. Thielen also is getting much older. The offensive line is good, not great, and even good might be an exaggeration. Harrison Smith was out all last year. Uh, Cousins is Cousins. Dalvin Cook has, has had one good year in his entire career. And Justin Jefferson has nowhere to go but down, and I don't expect him to go down, but there is no more up. Just like you pointed out, we all already know Justin Jefferson's great and it hasn't done anything for him. So I'm not saying I see them as a 13-win team. I'm saying you can get there. And if you're a Vikings fan and you're getting there, it's because you're being overly optimistic about every single position, which is fine because everybody's doing that. Packer fans are doing that too. So I don't care. I'm not mad about it. But I don't think it's the most realistic way to view the Vikings to just say everybody is going to meet their absolute maximum potential. That would be my thought on that. Thank you, Devin, for the question. Um, I don't want to take a break yet, but I also don't want to split up Davy Boy's three calls. So I think we're going to skip Davy Boy and save him for the end of or after the break. So we will skip ahead and go right to Adam, who is next on the line. Hey, Ryan. My name's Adam. Hi, Adam. I'm a medical student in Philadelphia. Congratulations. Uh, no idea why I decided to say Philadelphia in the Clinton accent, but whatever. No. Uh, I wanted to know your opinion on how Preston Smith's health will affect Rashawn and Gary's production for this season. Uh, I can kind of see it going both ways. Um, I think Rashawn and Gary's production, I mean, rather progression throughout the last couple of seasons, uh, it's really positive, especially if you look at the 
trending line for uh, pass rushers in Green Bay and how they usually get uh, better over time. Uh, yeah, thank you. Love the podcast. So first of all, I, I, I love the fact that there's JJ's call. I love the fact that um, the southern a southern accent is known as the Clinton or the Clayton. It says Clinton on here, and I was reading it the Clayton accent. But uh, yeah, congratulations on uh, being a med student. I don't know why I'm congratulating you didn't graduate, but congratulations on hopefully someday graduating and making a lot of money and uh, being more successful than all of us. Now again, the the phone calls don't sound great in terms of the call quality. It sounded like you said health, but I'm guessing you said help. How Preston Smith's help will affect Rashawn Gary? Because I, I don't know what health would have to do with it, other than if he's not healthy or whatever. But um, I'm going to answer the question this way. How does Preston Smith positively impact Rashawn Gary? Here's, well, I'll, I'll tell you exactly how I'm going to answer that question. So as I've mentioned in the past, PFF has a bunch of different stats. Let me get to the right page here. One of the things that they have when you look at pass rush is a thing called true pass sets. And again, true pass sets is nothing crazy is going on. So if if there's an additional blocker coming in, that's not going to count. And the only reason I bring that up is to point this out. Rashawn Gary is phenomenal regardless of the situation. His statistics, he had 12 sacks. This is PFF sacks. 12 sacks, 17 hits, 58 hurries, 87 total pressures. Um, His win percentage, which is beating the guy in front of him, 26.3% 26.3% of the time. That's just the flat number. Whoever's in front of him, he beat him. Here's the thing, though. In terms of true pass sets, seven sacks, eight hits, 43 hurries, that's all fine. His win percentage, though, is 34.7%. Again, the reason I bring that up is when you get him a one-on-one opportunity, he is destroying everybody. Now, that doesn't just fall on Preston, but you, as you can probably imagine, Preston had a pretty good year last year. So, you know, you, you have to account for him. Let's just remove Preston from the equation and move Jonathan Garvin up there. Nobody's scared of Jonathan Garvin. And so your, your number one goal, your only goal, is to bring extra help to the other side, whatever that means. Now, again, that's not just Preston. If you have help on the inside as well, you have to be able to account for that. Plus, you can do things with linebackers. You bring linebackers up. Um, I know Coach Hahn has talked a lot about that, about sort of forcing them into man protection by bringing up, you know, just bringing up that many people, numbers advantage. But the point is, the biggest help that Preston can bring is by being a force on his own. If the defense in general allows Rashawn Gary to be double teamed, to be schemed against, that's that's a massive disservice. And again, you can do things schematically with numbers and whatnot to try to make sure he gets one-on-one opportunities. But the easiest way to do that is to just dominate across the defensive line from Preston to uh, Kenny to Jerron Reed to Devontae Wyatt, if these guys can also handle their responsibilities, and we can make sure that, you know, rather than winning 26% of the time, he's winning closer to 34% of the time, that is a massive benefit. Now, again, the, the positive is it doesn't really matter. Um, it's not as though he he does great when he gets one-on-one re- uh, matchups. He was uh, third in win percentage and true pass sets. And by the way, the the non-true pass sets can work in our advantage as well. It could also be when he's running stunts and twists and everything else. So those get removed also. But the fact of the matter is, although the number's lower, he was still second behind only Max Crosby in win percentage, 26.3%. Because obviously everybody's goes down. So the the, the good news is, on one hand, yes, we want that number to be higher. So we want to give him as many one-on-one opportunities as possible. The bad news offensively from a schematic point is, it's not as though we can kind of 
scheme things up and take Rashawn out of the equation. He is the second best pass rusher in the entire NFL, regardless. So I hope that answered your question. I'm not entirely sure if I got that right. If not, feel free to call back and uh, correct me on that. Um, yeah, we'll take a break here. We'll, we'll take a break. We've got uh, three Davy Boy questions and three other things to get through. We might save some for tomorrow. I don't know. I don't really want to. I want to cram as much as possible. We'll be optimistic that there's going to be just as many calls tomorrow. But uh, we'll take a break. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you want to support the podcast. Please check out the um, Packernet Substack. I'm going to be writing an article here. Hopefully I can get it done today, although I've, you know, time and whatnot. Um, what else? We'll call it there. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Ryan. So I'm proud to say I have no social media identity. I find it's best for my emotional well-being. But for the sake of this conversation, you can call me Davey Boy. Davey Boy. So I've really been enjoying your podcast, mostly been listening in June and July. And i got to say, you're doing yeoman's work, filling 40 to 50 minutes in this desert of the off-season. You know, let's be real, there's not much to talk about in June and July, so... 
compliments to you for, you know, finding the inspiration, filling the dead air with so many arguments about the Packer roster or the Bears dumpster fire or mm. Vikings real or imagined talent. So I got an obscure question. You take it in any direction you like. Um, I'm a lifelong Packer fan and NFL fan, so I'd say I'm not an expert, but pretty knowledgeable about offense and defense and the various schemes and strategies. But when it when it gets to special teams, I don't know jack. So I know it's important to have good kickers and good returners and a good coach, but as far as strategy, I got like the IQ of a of a wombat. Um, so in the 49er playoff game, we had a field goal blocked late in the first half which was mostly forgotten due to the other, you know, disasters in that game. Anyway, I've heard that the key block that was missed was missed by Tyler Lancaster. Yeah, Tyler Lancaster, giant blob of a nose tackle whose job is to hold up blockers and stuff the run. And He's in blocking on a field goal attempt. Good Lord. Why? Why? Why have a nose tackle blocking... On a critical field goal, when you got six or eight offensive linemen sitting on the bench, I, I don't get it. So I guess the question is, you know, on special teams, why do you put players wildly out of position? Shouldn't offensive guys be on the scoring special teams plays and returns and defensive guys should be on, you know, kick coverage and that kind of stuff? And I have asked other news media. No one seems to have an answer to this, so let's see if you can... Impress me with your football savvy. Take care. Enjoy the podcast. See ya. Well, I can't impress you with my football savvy. I can promise you that. That is not my uh, not my forte. Um, I, I will say my, my first thought on this is um, when things are this horrible, that's when we all learn a little bit. Um, I, I also was like, wait, what? And, and the fact of the matter is if, if Tyler Lancaster hadn't missed that block, I would have had no idea he was out there, and I would have had no idea that that was even an issue. Just like I recently found out that um, long snappers are basically tight ends. I just figured they were centers. Nope, they're built like tight ends, because it may, which makes sense, you know. But that's that's kind of the point that I'm. That that's that's my starting point is when I first heard that tight ends were small, I thought that's stupid. Until you really realize, well, there's a difference between what a center does and what a long snapper does. Long snappers don't actually end up blocking anybody because it's against the rules, so what's the point? Uh, conversely, they do need to be able to run down the field and make tackles, so it would make sense that they have more of that kind of a build. So I just don't want to start from the standpoint of, especially when I have a podcast, I don't want to be the guy who starts spouting off at the mouth. I'm sure at one point or another I used to be, and I probably still am to some extent, but um, I try not to be the guy that starts screaming about stuff he doesn't know, and then somebody who does know is like, well, here's why that happens, you big, stupid idiot. So, yeah, I, I was um, stunned to find out that that was a thing, for sure. So let's just run through a couple things. I, I can't really give you an example on, or not, not an example, I can't give you an answer on why he is or isn't the right answer. Can't really do that. Um, let's start with the fact that a special teams kick, a field goal kick, you still have 11 people on the field, one of them is the holder, one of them is the snapper, one of them is the kicker which means we need eight guys blocking. Now, that should be fine. We've got five starting offensive linemen. There should be three more heavy guys sitting on the bench. Here is something that I find kind of interesting. There were, just on field goal kicks, 19 different players that played at that position. Most of them are people that you would expect. For example, as I said, you've got your long snapper in Hunter Bradley. He was there. You've got your punter, Corey Bajorquez, who is your holder. You've got your kicker, Mason Crosby. 
Outside of that, it should be centers, guards, and tackles that I see. Well, you got Yash Nijman, who's a tackle, John Runyon, the guard. You've got Lucas Patrick, the center. You got Ben Braden, the tackle. You've got Steve Wortel, also a long snapper. Ty- uh, nope, I'm skipping ahead. Hunter Bradley, also a long snapper. Royce Newman, guard. Dennis Kelly, tackle. Jake Hansen, center. Elton Jenkins, tackle. Right, so, so that all makes sense. Now, there's also people out there that maybe you would think is kind of stupid, but okay, I guess I kind of get it, especially off, off on the edges, and those are tight ends. Dominique Daphne, Robert Tunyon, Josiah DeGuara, Tyler Davis. All of them played special teams. And again, these are all just on field goal kicks. So you can kind of see up to this point where all this kind of makes sense. My preference is probably just give me all offensive linemen. We got more than enough. But off the edges, you do have some faster, more athletic guys. So I could see where if you wanted to have Josiah DeGuara, Tyler Davis, Tunyon, Daphne, Mercedes Lewis, who it doesn't look like actually played uh, at all. No, he didn't play special teams at all, which is odd. I guess it's not that odd, but it's kind of odd. But then you get into sort of the weird territory, and that is the other guys. And by other guys, let me list them for you. Tyler Lancaster, who you mentioned, Dean Lowry, and TJ Slayton. I think you said Lancaster. Maybe it was Lowry. I don't know. But Dean Lowry, and if, if you have to pick a defensive lineman, it might be Dean. But then, as you said, nose tackle, Tyler Lancaster, nose tackle, TJ Slayton. That's a little crazy. Now, again, I can't speak to why, but the only other thing I can do to help fill in the gaps is say, does anybody else do this or were the Packers just complete idiots last year? So let's look at that. Arizona Cardinals, did they use any defensive tackles? The answer is yes. Lecky Fotu, the defensive tackle, was out there. They also used edge rusher Josh Morrow. The Atlanta Falcons uh, used defensive tackle Anthony Rush. It appears that's it. Oh, and edge rusher John Kaminsky. The Baltimore Ravens used Calais Campbell on uh, special teams. In fact, they used him a lot. He was out there pretty much every single time. He's the only one, but they used him a lot. Remember, I'm not talking about special teams overall. I'm just talking about field goals. So there, there is no, yeah, well, of course you use them, but you don't use them to block. The only thing left to do is block unless Calais Campbell was out there kicking field goals or long snapping. He was blocking. So we're assuming these guys are blocking. Um, the, what team is this? The Buffalo Bills used defensive tackle F.A. Obata as well as Harrison Phillips, the defensive tackle. He's on a long-term, a long-time defensive tackle, Harrison Phillips. They used him kind of a lot. The Carolina Panthers used uh, defensive tackle Bravion Roy. Looks like he's the only one and not all that often, but they did use him. The Bears used defensive tackle Angelo Blackson. Uh, Kahiris Tonga, Margus Hunt, and that's it. But they also had three. I don't want to go through every single team, but at the same time, I, I, I want to make... It looks like every single team so far has done it. I'm looking at Cincinnati Bengals, Zach Kerr, Josh Tupo, um, Cleveland, you've got... Let's see, does Cleveland use any? Maybe, maybe Cleveland didn't. Nope, I'm wrong. One snap by Jordan Elliott. Oh, and Andrew Billings. Never mind. Here we go. We got a couple. So I'm, I'm assuming you'll, you'll forgive me if I don't go through every single team, but... Every team that I've looked at so far, actually Dallas, I don't see one for Dallas. Dallas, 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 Dallas did not. So we'll, we'll say almost every single team has used, uh, in some capacity, defensive tackle. So again, I can't give you an answer as to why or what the benefit is, but it is, it, it is common practice. And again, I think the problem is because our defensive tackle failed in that capacity. And, and you know, if we think about it, Special teams is such a different thing. When we 
talk about a lot of things. A lot of times what we talk about is function. And so, for example, one of the things I'll, I'll say is typically if you're looking for a nose tackle, Kenny Clark is a good example. Typically, when you're thinking of a 3-4 nose tackle, you're thinking of a guy that's six foot one, 340 t- pounds. Kenny Clark is, what, 6'1", 312? So you look at it and you say, well, it doesn't really fit. But it's not about height and weight necessarily. It's about what do we need a nose tackle to do and does he do it? And so when you talk about special teams, a lot of times, like, for example, kicking a field goal, we look at it and we say, well, the guys that are up there are blocking. So who do we want up there? We want guys that block. Typically, those are offensive linemen. Maybe it's tight ends, but it's why not just get a bunch of offensive linemen? But the fact is, we would have to know what exactly is being asked to do, right? And so each one of those positions is a position we're not really familiar with. And who is across from them makes a big difference as well. Right. So, for example, they, they, they've got like cornerbacks and wide receivers coming flying off the edge. So, you know, putting a tackle there doesn't really make that much sense. So we would need to know, well, what kind of a human being do you want in this spot based on what this person, you know, the, the fourth guy off the right side or whatever is going to be asked to do? It might make sense that that when you get down to the bullet points of we need a guy that is built like this, about this tall, this big, this heavy, that, that is going to be able to do this, maybe a lot of times it ends up being a defensive tackle more so than anything else. And I'm guessing that's what it is, but I don't know. But the point is, it is common practice. The only reason it's really being highlighted is because it failed on top of the fact of our special teams being so bad. So it's easy for us to look at it and say, our special teams was so unbelievably incompetent. Let me give you an example. We had a defensive tackle blocking and go figure he missed a block, right? That's where our minds, that's where my mind immediately goes. But the reality is that is common practice among the NFL. Don't know why, but don't really expect that to change. Maybe who's doing it might change or whatever, but um, you still should expect to see defensive tackles. And when you do, because I know this is going to happen, what's going to happen is somebody is going to point out that uh, Dean Lowry or Tyler Lancaster or somebody is out there blocking, and immediately there's going to be a caption, I guess we've learned nothing or, or whatever, or, or here we go again. Even if it wasn't a bad play, that's going to be the thing. So um, again, hopefully that kind of helped answer it. I can't explain what the purpose of it is, but that's the way she goes. Um, as I said, Davy Boy called in with a couple different things, so let's get to his second call of the day. Hey, Ryan, Davy Boy again. Uh, quick side note, on each podcast, you say, you know, you refer to Packernet.com, and then you say your Twitter handle, I think, and I'm wondering, like you say, uh, it's Ryan Schlipped at underscore da 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 and it sounds at the end like you're stroking out or maybe beatboxing or something or maybe yeah. it's just like a yeah. running joke you don't want someone to know what the last handle of your twitter actually is but it's pretty funny i enjoy it so that's my two cents see ya you know like a lot of things um everybody hates that but i can't I can't change it because I've been doing it for five years. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's just ingrained in what the show is. Everybody hates that part. It's like, I, I don't know what you're saying. You sound like an idiot. Stop doing it. I can't. I can't change the show. I don't even like when I do it. It's like, it's, I, I, I'm subconsciously self-conscious when I'm, every day when I have to do that, because I'm like, I know it sounds stupid, and I know everybody thinks it's stupid. Not to mention Pack Daddy. The whole thing with Pack Daddy is stupid, and I wish I could just change it. I can't change it. I can't change the intro music, I can't change Pack Daddy, can't change my p- Twitter handle, and I can't say the way I say my Twitter handle. So if you want to know, it's Pack underscore Daddy, but I don't really want to enunciate Daddy either, because that's just 
it's so weird and creepy. The whole thing is creepy. So yeah, I, I sound like I'm uh, a beatboxer that's having a stroke. I get it. But it is what it is, and it will not change. Maybe it'll change. I don't know. But as of right now, I have not... Um, in fact, even like for this show, I'm like, I don't want to do the same intro, so I want to do a different... I, it makes me so anxious to do a new intro because it's just, I don't know. It's like when you got to drive somewhere new, it's like, I don't know where to go. I don't know. Like, you know, that's a one way street. But after you drive it like 10 times, it's just, it's just a thing that you do. So now when I do the Packernet podcast podcast, I just, it, everything is just on autopilot. Basically the whole show is just like, I'm, I'm sleeping. And then I wake up and it's like, oh, it's done. Sweet. But I do this and it's like, you know, the music is different. I'm like, uh, 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 when do I jump in? And I guess right here, uh, what do I say? I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do, man. I'm nervous, which is weird. I've done 1,500 episodes. I shouldn't be nervous doing a podcast, but I was nervous. In fact, I actually started a, um, a new podcast, which is not being published. I only did one episode. It's just, it's just for me. It's just for fun. I don't think I'm ever going to publish it. I don't know. We'll see. But I, I just did one because I wanted to try something new. I wanted to create something different that I have a passion for. And um, again, I'm, I'm not even publishing it. I just wanted to try it. I seriously, it took me 15 minutes probably to record the intro. I had the music. I know what the music is. I didn't know when to jump in. I didn't know what to say. I felt uncomfortable saying it. And just the fact that it's not Packers and I'm not, you know, it, it's the whole, I felt like it was day one all over again. Like, I, I thought for sure, I, I'm just like a comfortable, I'm a podcaster now. You know, I, I can do a podcast, no big deal. Like, I'm, I don't get nervous doing podcasts. I was wrong. I don't get nervous doing this podcast anymore. Apparently, if I start a new one, because it's like a new audience, and they're like, who's this idiot? He doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm like, I know, I'm a fraud. I'm sorry. I don't belong here. <laughs> so, it's a weird experience. But anyways, now you know, um, and it's just not going to change. It's pack underscore daddy, if you want to know. But you said you're not on social media, so why don't you leave me alone? Let me stroke out if I want to stroke out, Davy Boy. Speaking of, Davy Boy has a third call. And actually, the first half of it is kind of more just for me. In fact, the whole thing is maybe just for me, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna do the second part of it anyway. If you just just so you know, if you call and leave a message, you are uh, signing on the dotted line that says you're allowed to use this on your podcast. So if you call in, you're like, hey, I just want you to know that your podcast is trash or whatever. Um, well, I probably wouldn't play that, but point is, anything you tell, you call in and confess a murder. Um, I, I don't know if I'm going to call the police, but I am going to play it on the podcast. So just so we're clear. Anyways, here's the second part. I'm going to omit the first part. It was kind of just for me kind of thing, but here you go. I heard what you said about pork chops, and I respectfully disagree on the bone-in. I'm a big bone-in guy, but uh, your uh, brining suggestion was so good that um, I'm going to definitely give it a try. And I've got a smoker, so um, I'm going to try that. Um, Thundercut boneless with a, with a little brine and give yours a chance. My counter proposal is get a nice thick cut bone in, use some Cajun spices, grill that baby. Oh my God, it's to die for. Talk to you later. So I, I don't know what it is about the, the bone in that I just, it's not that it doesn't taste good. I, I it, That's not true. And, and it's it's got like the, the dark meat and stuff, which it, it just kind of, I think it's because of the whole, when I grew up, it was always bone in and I just don't like it. And then there's the meat that's on there and then you get the little, I, I just, I don't know what it is about the bone in. I'm, I just, I can't get into it. It creeps me out. I shouldn't say it creeps me out. That's not really the point. It just, I don't know. I, 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 I'll give it a shot. 
here's what I will say to counter your counter. I will, I will, I will try it. I'll, I'll get a, a thick cut bone in, which I haven't done. Every time I get bone in, it's these tiny, skinny little things, which is maybe part of the problem. I get a big, thick cut bone in, whatever. And I'll use the Cajun spices. I do have some, but I can get some new stuff, whatever. It doesn't matter. But I'm telling you, I still want you to try it my way. I get the, you're going to brine it. That's cool. Do it. Try it boneless and just, just, just try it. You're, you're probably right. You're a bone in guy. You like the flavor of it. That's cool. Just try it, man. Boneless, thick cut chops, brine it, smoke it, 145, season it however you like, but try not to get too carried away because again, it's all about that flavor, man. And if it just tastes like you, you know, covered it in seasoning and you can't taste anything else, that then it just tastes like seasoning and that's not fun. We are 41 minutes into this. I, I, I hate to do it, but I think we might need to be done. I got three more calls. I don't think I can do three calls here, but I really want to be optimistic that, that I'm going to get 11 more calls tomorrow. I think I got to save it. I think I got to be done. I am going to leave it at that. We've got uh, Andy from Kansas. Uh, we've got an unknown caller, and then we got JJ, who's got a, a sounds like a big, long tirade to, to get into, which is great because he's firing back at Bruce. So the, the feud continues. I'm glad it's not dead. By the way, please bring your feuds to the Packernet podcast. Any family dramas, feel free to bring it on over. I'm, I'm happy to turn this into a Jerry Springer or again, a, a Maury. If we want to do, you know, DNA tests, we can try that. But uh, I'd also give uh, Bruce an opportunity to, um, to respond. So we'll, we'll, we'll get that rocking. But uh, thanks for tuning in and I will talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. 